One of my favorite quotes from Charles Spurgeon is this one. He says, When I regarded God as a tyrant, I thought my sin a trifle. But when I knew him to be my father, then I mourned that I could have, that I could have ever kicked against him. When I thought God was hard, I found it easy to sin. But when I found God so kind, so good, so overflowing with compassion, I smote upon my breast to think that I could ever have rebelled against one who loved me so and sought my good. That's what our passage this morning is meant to help us understand. The, the love of God, the deep, deep love of God for sinners that drove him to give his son in sacrificial love that we might have life, eternal life, so what we see here is that God loves us and he longs for us to come to faith in him. With that in mind, let me read. I'm going to read John 3, 16 down through uh, verse 21. Give great attention to the reading of the very word of God. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love. Your deep, deep love for us. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. God, help us to live all of our lives in light of your love, that your love would drive everything about us, impact everything about us, every relationship we have, every action that we take, that it might be for you and for your glory. We love because you first loved us. Thank you for Jesus for whom that love came. Thank you for the Spirit who continues to work in us that we might live according to your love. May that be true of us today. Spirit, work now convict us of sin, and drive us deeper and deeper and deeper into the heart of that love, into the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So why is John 3.16 so famous? It's because it's such a wonderful and concise explanation of the most wonderful news that the world has ever heard. The, the God... Uh, the, the news that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever places their faith in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel in a sentence. That is the good news. And there is nothing better that's ever been proclaimed in all the earth. And so we treasure these words. These words give us hope. They remind us why Jesus came into the world. They remind us that our sins do not get the last word. They teach us that there is hope beyond our faults and failures. Even though we should perish, God has changed our destiny. For he is good. Because he loves us. Us. Even us. 
How far does this good news reach? To the entire world. Men and women, boys and girls from every tongue and tribe and nation and language will experience this love, will believe in Jesus Christ, will enter into eternal life. There is no place on the globe that this good news will not reach. This is good news for the world. It can reach to the worst sinner and the greatest saint. It knows no boundaries. It knows no limits. The, the old hymn, The Deep, Deep Love of Jesus, says, you know, it's vast and measured, boundless, free. It's amazing grace. This love is not meant to be hoarded to ourselves. It's meant to be shared freely. In the Gospel of John, we see that the Father loves the Son. We'll see that the Son loves the Father. We'll see that Jesus loves His own, the disciples, His disciples, that His own must love Him. The disciples must love one another. Love is the theme of this book. It's the theme of the Gospel. The story of God in our world is the story of love. God loves us. We love one another. We love the, the people around us, the world around us. And none of this love begins with us. It doesn't begin in humanity. Every bit of this love flowing back and forth has its roots in the person and work of God. John, in his letter, we call First John, he says, we love because he first loved us. All the love that we express is rooted in the fact that God first loved us. In verse 19 here of John chapter 3, we see that all this love is contrasted to the ways of the world, which in its fallen and rebellious state does not love God nor his Son. Jesus is the light of the world, but people naturally love the darkness rather than the light. We go back to verse 17. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world because sin has already cast the world into condemnation. Jesus didn't have to come in order for the world to be condemned. The world was condemned by our own actions, by our own rejection of the truth, by our own rejection of the common grace and the law that's written on our hearts. Condemnation's a reality. Jesus entered into a broken and fallen world, a world that's enslaved to sin to bring redemption to those who would trust in him, to set them free from sin and its consequences, hell and death and the grave, to set us free from eternal death, to deliver us into eternal life. Verse 18 clarifies the meaning of that salvation. Look what it says. It says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. So all the world is condemned, but whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Romans 8.1 says, For there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our only hope to escape condemnation is Jesus Christ. But the opposite is also true. Whoever does not believe in him is already condemned. And the reason is, is maybe not what we would think. We might think the reason is some great rebellion or some magnificent sin or some evil darkness or the worship of false gods or we could go on and on and on. And all of those things and others might be present. But those things are the fruit of the condemnation, not the cause. People are only condemned because they do not believe in the name of the only Son of God. At the last day when we stand before the throne of judgment, what condemns us will be the fact that we have not believed in Jesus if we stand condemned. The only thing that will save us 
If we stand uncondemned, it's the fact that we have put our faith and hope and trust in Christ alone. Acts 4.12 says, There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name. Only the name of Jesus. John 14.6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to God except through Jesus. In John 11, in the story of Lazarus, remember Lazarus had died, Jesus sort of meanders his way there towards his friends and family to, to see what's going on. They've called to Jesus for help, and Jesus is like, well, he's dead. I'll get there in a few days. So Jesus finally gets there, but he gets there, and he meets Mary and Martha, and he does this miraculous thing. He, he speaks, and of course, Lazarus rises from the dead, but before that, before that happens, Jesus is talking to Martha, Lazarus' sister, and he says this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me <coughs> shall never die. Everyone who lives and believes in Jesus <coughs> shall never die. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The result of not believing in Jesus is that people love the darkness and not the light. Jesus is the light of the world. We learned that back in John chapter 1. That it, the, but the world loves darkness. You know, we remember here that Nicodemus has come to Jesus in the night under the cover of darkness to, to talk to him about these things that he's seen. So this analogy is meant to be convicting to him and his situation, but also to everyone who reads these words. This should convict us even today to examine our lives, to look and say, do we love the light more than we love darkness? What are we hiding about ourselves and trying to hide from God? Which is foolishness, by the way, for God knows and sees all. We all are naturally drawn to the darkness, away from the light. While some of us are scared of the dark, when it comes to revealing who we really are, we're actually comfortable with darkness. It hides the truth. In the dark, we can pretend to be things that we are not. We can pretend to have it all together because when we step into the light, our flaws are revealed. And that's scary. That's scarier than the darkness. Spiritually speaking, we know that the things that we do are not enough. That when we're honest about who we are and what we've done, that we're not going to measure up. And we all have an innate sense of that, that we are fallen, we are sinners, that we don't measure up. Especially when compared to the one who is light himself. And the truth is that he is the standard by which we are judged. Jesus is the standard. Jesus kept the law perfectly. We are experts in breaking the law. He's the only one who was actually an expert in keeping the law. Yet if we can see Jesus for who he truly is, the incarnation of light and love, the personification of light and love, then we would know that we can stand before him completely exposed. Completely exposed. With all of our faults and failings known completely. You know, earlier we sang, you know, Rock of Ages. What, what do we sing? We sing... Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked, 
come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. You get that naked. Come to thee for dress. Ashamed. Remember, nakedness is a, from the fall, nakedness has been a sign of shame. Adam and Eve, when they realized they were naked, covered themselves. And God in his grace gave them covering. But the good news is that in the gospel, we can actually, not that none of us need to run around naked, but we can be exposed for who we really are without fear of rejection. Completely known, even in that moment of exposure, knowing that, that if we can see him through eyes of faith, we can know that he is the Savior we need, and then we can rejoice that we are known completely, and yet, even being known completely, completely loved, because that's our fear, right? Is if, if people or even God get to know the real us, they'll reject us. But the good news of the gospel is that we're covered with his righteousness. And so even in our exposure, God loves us. Completely known, and yet completely loved. Loved because the one who knows everything about us didn't run away and leave us in our shame and guilt, but offered up his very life for us. He died that we might live. And not just that we might live, that we might be accepted by God and acceptable to God. And that is exactly what we are if we are children of God by faith, completely known, completely loved. And Jesus Christ, we're lacking nothing that we need for salvation. And all of our shame and guilt, all of those things that live in the darkness, are brought into the light of the gospel, are brought into the light to be seen for what they truly are. For those who are children of God, the things that once brought us shame and still tempt to drive us into shame are nailed to the cross. They're killed by the love of God in a sense, in a real sense. You know, we can walk away from the pain that they bring by bringing those things into the light and, and then not pretending that they exist, but to be... But to be honest, we need to be honest about them and know that Jesus doesn't just ignore those themes that, that, that define who we are and bring us shame in so many ways. He actually looks them straight in the eye, takes them upon himself, and loves us in spite of those things and bears those burdens, that shame and guilt and condemnation that we deserve and that we feel. He takes them upon himself. There is therefore now no condemnation, no shame, no guilt for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the good news of the gospel. Jesus can look at those things and see them with complete knowledge and complete honesty and say, I love you. Yep, I know you and I still love you. I love you completely and eternally. And then he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus says, I came to put the broken pieces of your life back together. Yes, there will still be scars and pains and the darkness will at times creep back to intimidate you. But Jesus says, I've got you. And I'm carrying you all the way home. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll bring you peace. 
So what is the correct response to the love of God as revealed in Jesus? We've already talked about this, but the, in, in, but the correct response, to dive down a little deeper on this, is the correct response to God's love is to believe, to have faith. We are justified by faith alone. The response is not to go, well, God loves me if I do this, if I earn his love, if I'm good enough, then I'll have the love of God. No, we are justified by faith alone. We're just to trust. We are to trust that God has loved us through Jesus, and we embrace that and put our faith in that. And what will follow is hopefully good works, but not good works that earn salvation, but good works that flow from salvation. For we are loved completely by God through Jesus Christ. That's the good news of the gospel. When that faith comes, it causes us to resist the darkness, to repent of our sins, to move towards the light, to be honest about who we are because we're set free by the work of God. And as we walk by faith, we said God begins to produce works of light in and through us. Look at verse 21. It says, but whoever does what is true comes to the light that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. That isn't saying that we're saved by those works. But what becomes apparent is we no longer depend upon our goodness. We give the credit for our goodness to who it's due, that when we walk in the light according to the principles that God has given us, responding in repentance and faith, believing in Jesus Christ, what follows are good works. The light begins to shine in and through us, and it becomes evident because of who we are when we're honest about ourselves, that the light isn't something that begins with us. It's something that comes from outside of us and shines in and through us for his glory and our good and the good of those around us. This is the good news of the gospel. Have you ever been around someone who smells like Jesus? You know what I mean? Like you just get around him and you go, that person just radiates Jesus. I've got a friend like that. Some of you know Rob Strickland down at Highland down at True Spring, uh, Highland Community Church. You know, I can be having the worst kind of day, and thankfully Rob loves Chick-fil-A as much as I, I do because that's where I bump into him at most of the time. Um, but you know, I can be having the worst kind of day, and if I bump into Rob, joy just fills my soul. Just something about it. And it, it's sort of like the disciples. What did they say about the disciples when they met them? They said, these are common men, but it appears that they've been with Jesus. Because walking with Jesus has an effect on you. Walking in the light means that you reflect the, the light. Rob is someone that brings the, the light of Jesus into a room. He would deny every bit of this, of course, because the reality is that when Jesus is shining upon you, it produces humility, not pride. And so he would, he'll, he'll tell me I shouldn't have even said all these things. That's okay. Jesus produces humility, not pride. You know, I hope that you have people in your life like that. I hope that we are people like that. I would love for people to say that about me. That I love to see Jesus, Mitch because he, he radiates Jesus. He reflects the love of Jesus into our lives. May God fill us with people like that, but also make us, more importantly, make us people like that. What a blessing it is to have people like that, like Rob, laboring in our city, and in his case, in a part of our city that seems particularly affected by that darkness. But the reality is that all of our world is affected by the darkness. All of our families, all of our neighborhoods and workplaces, all of our marketplaces, everywhere we go, darkness is present. And sometimes 
It's so dark that we just want to stay home and sit in the light. And there's a time and place for that. That's why we gather for worship every week. It's why we try to do life together through our fellowship groups and spend time together encouraging and loving one another, being that smell of Jesus with each other. That's all important. But we don't need to avoid the darkness in our world. We have the privilege and responsibility of taking the light into the darkness. We have been called to be ambassadors of the greatest news that's ever been proclaimed to the world. Look, the darkness cannot stand in the presence of light. You walk into a dark room and you turn on a flashlight, what happens? The darkness scatters. It's the nature of the way things work. And here, even more, more poignantly, when we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, when we send the light out into the darkness, guess what? The light shines brightly. The darkness fades. It flees. The reality for, for those who are in the dark is that condemnation is real. But there is hope. No one is so filled with darkness they're beyond the reach of God's grace. And God has ordained the means by which people leave that darkness and come into the light. And the means by which that happens is when the children of light, that's us, children of God, share with those around them the truth about the love of God, that the love of God is so amazing that God sent his only son into the world as a gift from himself. And whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, would not perish, but have eternal life. That's the greatest news ever proclaimed. And we've got it. It's been entrusted to us. My hope is that we would believe it, that we would treasure it, that it would drive and identify who we are, that it would be more reflected upon us, in us and through us, that people would see the gospel at work in our lives and, and see Jesus, and that we would proclaim it to the ends of the earth, that all the world might know that God is love. And that he sent his son into the world, that the world might be saved through him. The condemnation is real, for the wages of sin is death. But the good news of the gospel is that God has loved us and sent his son into our world to redeem us from condemnation, from wrath, from guilt, from shame, that we might have life everlasting. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. May it truly define who we are. May it drive every decision we make. May it drive every conversation that we have, every act of love and kindness. May it cause us to repent of every sin and every, every place where we fall short of your glory. God, may it drive us to love our neighbors well to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth, that all the world might hear that you are loved, that you have loved us. And in your love, you have sent your son into the world, that all who put our faith and trust in Jesus alone would be saved, saved from eternal death, delivered unto eternal life. Would you help us to preach the gospel boldly, without shame, without reserve, in love to those around us? that people might move from darkness to light, from death to life. And God, help us when we're drawn to the darkness, when we're drawn to the things of death. Would you help us to repent 
to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions today in this present age and to run towards holiness and righteousness, to flee unto you, to find peace and joy and love, to know that regardless of what we've done and how far we've fallen, God, you rescue us. You reach us. You care for us. And you will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. The gospel is good news indeed. It's in your son's glorious name that we pray. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. He is our hope. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.